<coughs> All right. We're back. Introduce us. Kick us off. Robert Lubansky. I am providing the office lunch today. It will arrive around 12.05. Wow. What do you think you got? Chicken wings. You know this for a fact, or you're just, this is like zero? Probably, probably chicken wings or pizza. Probably pizza. <laughs> I wonder if we're going to have food over here. That you would say for the other office. Oh, you don't think he ordered food for both of us? No. We should ask him, take him real quick to like, you mean for us too? Maybe so he can just go. What? You're like on the mic, bro. Is you that really bad? like to be on it. I mean, I just want to make sure I'm heard. You're heard. <laughs> it can be far away from you as long as it's pointing directionally All at right. your face. Fuck it. The fuck is this? Got a lot of action going on here today. Shoot. <coughs> All right, we're on. We're back. We're back. Welcome to the Since I Was Broke podcast. Um, it's episode 12. Episode 12, The Phantom Menace. Actually, I guess the one I just did with Brooks was <laughs> the unofficial 12. 13, so we did 12, 13. Yeah, this is 13. I don't know. We're somewhere. We should. I think our goal should not be like weekly, but we should have like a end of year. Like we should be like 50 episodes. We should treat it like Brooks treats counting your reps. He doesn't really count them. Five more. Yeah. We end this one with like two more. Yeah, there you go. I mean, I think we could make a goal of like 50 episodes before the. We started the first one September something. I think we sh- I think we should be able to get to 50 episodes. All right. I think that should be our goal. Okay. But I mean, the listenership's going up. We got people that are. Is it? Like, hey, I like this. I'm not following it, but I do get every now and again people are like, yeah, I like what y'all are doing. I think we just need to promote it more. But now that we have like other content, like the one that I put on my page, I I like the way I like. Had a post where it was like, oh, by the way, we talked about this and it's so sick. Yeah. I was listening to the other one this morning. Yesterday, Sounds good. Last one. Have you good. listened to like the first episodes and then the recent ones? Like, they, they just sound better. I think it's like because we're not in a fucking 100,000 square foot open warehouse, but. It's a little hyperbole there, but yeah, 100,000 square foot, sure. Yeah. I mean, it might as well be. It's a lot of echo in there. There is a lot of echo. Anyway, people don't like when we banter. What are you talking about today? What's what's on the mind of Phil? You called me up here. I know. I, I thought you had something. This is like therapy, though. We don't have Tim here to, you know. Yeah, I don't know, man. We're just, on. you know, we're moving and grooving. There's a lot of new new characters. Like we got some new faces. We've got a lot of moving parts. Yeah, we're going. redoing the office here. Um, so we're using our own. Um, I don't know. Every office, every like little office in this overall office, I feel like has like a is going to have like a unique feel or purpose. But we're first one we're redoing is uh, gonna be the Phil House office for our uh, stone marble design creative area for projects uh, all related to um, whether that's clients that we have uh, doing st- you know projects that we're facilitating material for or internally for doing projects so just kind of like a interior design type room so mm-hmm. to speak so that's the first one and then. How that comes out, uh, we're using our Nero silk, uh, which is like this really nice uh, Moroccan stone that's got just like this black velvety um, look to it. Um, the white veins to it. It's got some white veining to it, which is really nice. Um, so we're going to use that in a couple different size formats in there, uh, one on the floor and then one on the wall. And we're going to do a um, like a big conference table out of some slabs. And then depending on how much we like that, then that'll kind of determine like what the other rooms will look like or like the hallway or anything like that. So, um, yeah, we'll see. But I'm excited. It's fun to 
we've already ripped up before in there, so I'm I'm excited to see how that comes out, and then from there we'll kind of decide what direction we'll head with the with the rest of it. Yeah, I think that's that's going to be an. Ex I think once that's done, it'll start to paint a vision of this upstairs area because it'll be like a smaller version of like what you. I will say like. It, it's um like I have ideas for up here and ideas for other spots. But it's like it's good to have some people on your team or like utilize like when you use an interior designer. It's like there's a big value in having somebody that can like really contextualize what you're thinking and um, like put that onto like a, a mood board design board where you really kind of like pull in all the textures and materials and colors and um, just all the components that go into making like a room a certain type of feel or vibe. Mm -hmm. It's cool to be able to have somebody that's like, so I respect having an interior designer that can do that or even when we use Matt. Um, for catting stuff um, or mapping stuff out, just like being able to see it before you actually go and do it, it's kind of like a, I don't know, it's kind of reassuring in a way. So I yeah. want to kind of map out this room up here to really kind of pull in. We want it that like kind of moody, man cave, speakeasy, speakeasy vibe. Yeah. Um, we already got some furniture up here, but we'll probably rip these floors out and add a wet bar and I think we'll do some cool cabinets. I think we'll pull some components from the Largo project in here mm -hmm. and just see how we can. Uh, bring this to life. Yeah, I'm excited for the Largo project to be done because we've we've documented that pretty I'm well. I'm excited. I mean, it, like if we I'm had excited to live in something bigger than yeah. 700 square feet. Yeah, it's gonna be a little bit bigger than that. But I mean, we really have documented a lot of it. Like when I go back and look at the footage, I'm like, damn, we really. I mean, like the only thing we really didn't get was the framing of it. But I mean, yeah, but we 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 acquired that. It was mid starting to frame. Mm. So like we stopped and we we're like, hey, like. We like this overall outlook or direction that this is heading, but it's kind of like I think this could be done better, executed better, laid out a little better, um, not only for our needs, but also what I think something of that caliber of a house should be like. And mm -hmm. that goes to like the material we're using, but also we like blew out and expanded the closet, blew out and expanded the master. We redid the entire layout, the rear of the pool. We swapped the exterior from like a, a low grade um, stucco to really high grade stucco. We had a lot of copper components flashing. We did Brava uh, roof tile, which is super fun. That's um, just getting put on right now, which if you look at it on now compared to the house next door done by the same builder. Granted, they're two different types of houses in terms of like quality of execution of, you know, price points they're going to be at but if you just look at if it was just comparing the roof like that brava product looks so fucking good mm -hmm. like it elevates that house it just like it completely if just, you were to drive on that street it's, it's a dramatic difference it's a dramatic difference yeah. and i think it's like things like that like yeah it caught it's not it wasn't cheap but i'm like the value that brings and the presence that it creates um I think it's worth it, but it's 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 pretty cool to see how much that like dramatically changed the house because the house has been coming together along right really mm -hmm. well. We already had a roof on their standard shingles with some of the copper flashing. When they tore that on off and put the rest of the copper and added the Brava, it just <sighs> looks really different in a good way. Like it it's it's eye catching, it's tastefully done, but also like it really shows the bespoke quality of that house yeah not to say the other ones are bad but it's like you look at it's like it's like the three bear story right it's just like you see those three in succession and it's like 
if you were to drive up, you might not even realize it was the same building. Like at this point, because of how yeah, it's like it's kind of like if you were buying a Ferrari. Yeah, you spec like it out. Basic spec Ferraris. It's like yeah, it's a Ferrari. It's like the yeah, the house next door. Like yeah, it's a four five million dollar house. It's a nice house. I mean, no, I'm not discounting that, but there's specs of Ferraris where it's like base spec is four fifty, and you could spec it up to eight hundred ninety thousand dollars. It's like there is significant difference. You walk and be like, damn, the the stance, the carbon fiber, the paint job that was fifty thousand dollars, like. All those things like add to the value, and it's just like it's a different caliber of car. Yeah. That's how I feel that is. You walk and be like, yeah, that's a different caliber of house. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's fun to like think about the idea of like, oh yeah, I think this Brava product will look really good and make it stand out, and then actually see it. It's like, yeah, like what we thought was true, right? And like everybody, even the neighbor the other day, we walked by like, man, that fucking roof looks incredible. Well, I was just gonna say when we were there and we were talking with Jason, even it's like even from the internal standpoint, it's like you're creating something that's on a different level, even though they all kind of started at the same place. So it just goes to show like what the extra effort and like TLC, like how much of a dramatic difference that can make. Obviously financially you had to put a lot more into it, but it's like you think of the future landscape and he, he brought up a lot of things that you've probably thought about but if you're just like someone like me that's on the outside looking in you sit in on a conversation like that you're like that makes a lot of sense just like when people come and they're buying a house at a certain point and they look at the appraisals or what the other homes sold for and it's just like it it's it goes a lot deeper than what meets the eye in terms of like you're not just spending it willy-nilly you know it's like you're spending strategically in a certain way on certain aspects of the home to where well, like in look, the future, you're protecting your investment versus like I'm just gonna buy an out of the box like five million dollar house that happens to be on the lake. There's just a different mentality going into that. Yeah, there's definitely there's certainly people where it's like there's plenty. We walked the house, you know, I went to the other day from another builder, and it's like you know they're respectable and they have a good name and like you know from listing photos, like it looks great and it's not a bad product, but there is just a certain level. Like when I walk those houses like that, I'm like. Man, like some of this is really low grade material. It's mm-hmm. low grade, cheap trim, cheap countertops, you know. And you know, I, I'm not knocking that because there's certain price points or just the style you build, or you know, maybe their process of how they how they've optimized their way of doing homes is like in a certain sort of confinement of what type of material and stuff they use. But like, I just like to go further. Like we're not like the type of houses and products I'm into, it's like, it just takes, it takes more time. And understand it's frustrating. Like the, we're, this house supposed to be done in December. Mm-hmm. We're in March. It won't be done till April, maybe to go into it, to get a CO. And then like, you're still talking about landscaping, pool, decking, coping, low voltage outside. Like there's a lot of other components yeah. still that go after that. And I understand where it's like, if you're trying to do volume of homes and run a business in some ways, people are like, yeah, my, you know, the best thing for me is to have, we stay in this confinement because we know we can churn and move these houses. But um, I can walk through a house that's four and a half and I'm like, man, they're really like cheaped out. You could have spent a little bit more and probably gotten a better price. And there's some things where, yeah, they want to stay in that confinement. But I'm like, these are just some simple choices that like don't take that much extra effort. Like mm-hmm. the doors we did in, in Largo, like they're fucking solid, thick, heavy, doors i want that feeling where you walk in the house it's like you open the door like damn there's a fucking every door in this house feels like i'm opening like a heavy vault door like it's thick and it feels quality Mm -hmm. and like 
we walk when we were at the beach we looked at like different core styles of doors and things and the differences like you feel just a cheap door but it's light it's cheap i'm like you go oh, into a yeah. house that's four million dollars i'm like man like we're kind of at this price point where it's like this stuff matters mm-hmm. and i know there's some people there's a lot of people that don't know enough right they just come in they've got you know they have good job money and like you know they just want a house that's done and so they don't want to go through it but i think there's a certain level of people also that are like man like i these details matter and mm-hmm. I think when you go through a house like that, like I want to sell somebody a product, be like, yeah, we might be seven million versus the house next door spot, but here are the reasons. You know, it's like, and these are things where like you open the door, it's like the guy that buys the four, like Jason was saying, and then becomes your neighbor and walks into your six yeah. and a half, and he starts opening your doors and seeing your he's countertops. Like, Wait a second, and yeah. he's like, damn, like then they go back to theirs and like, fuck, like it's like, got, you know, there's just little <laughs> things start picking up, so it's like when you start to know these things and you're like, you've got the knowledge, it's just like, I don't know, I could walk stuff. I'm like, damn, it's just kind of like cutting corners to me. Mm-hmm. Like I understand some stuff we're doing is extra. It's like a lot more work, a lot more effort, longer timeline, but stuff like doors, quality trim, uh, nicer materials for your countertops, the wideness of the planks of your floors, the type of floors you're doing. I'm like, it's, it's sometimes a little bit more money, but like you can also drive price more, you mm-hmm. know? And it's like, and I think it makes a difference. And also it's like, what are you standing on in terms of your brand? It's like, yeah, everything's quartz, like a cheap quartz. Like some of these, sh- I was like, everything's quartz, and they're building another house. That builder's doing a house that's like seven million down the street. And I'm like, what's the difference between your four and your seven? And all they said was square footage. And I'm like, that's sad to me. I'm like, yeah. it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be like if there's a four million dollar house and a seven million dollar house, and all your price difference is the square footage. I'm like, it's not that much bigger a house. Talking about a five thousand square foot house to a seven thousand square foot house. I'm like. That doesn't equate. Like there needs to be something better. There's yeah. Some it needs to have a like a sauna and a theater and higher quality materials like your counters and your flooring and like your door pools and like you know you were using Thermador in the last house. This one has Miele and Wolf, which like allows you to push the price point. Like you're not doing that. You're just kind of like pushing price for the sake of like you think you Making can. I'm like margin, that. Yeah. yeah, but just just for margin. I'm like, I don't know, man. It just. I don't know, my brain doesn't work that way. I'm not saying it's wrong, but like when I look at that, I'm like, damn, I wouldn't be proud of this product for me. Yeah. So like, I just want to be proud of the product. And I want to be the guy that where they're like, that's where, that's the reference house. That's the house that we're trying to reference mm-hmm. and, and copy. Not like, yeah, it's like we're doing kind of, everybody's doing the same cookie cutter shit. I mean, there's cookie cutter <coughs> shit in the $500,000 price mark, mm-hmm. million dollar price mark, three million, four million, five million. There's people that just stay in these, Confinements yeah. of like oh, and there's houses that are far beyond seven yeah. million. There's houses that are hundred million. But they're very. That, there's know? this like the you know we talked with our builder and he's like yeah we've just been used to be doing the same three and a half four million dollar product. We use the same materials, the same vendors, the same design, the same color scheme, the same type of countertops. Because I get it. It's like you've machined it. It's turned into this machine where it's like very easy to mm-hmm. replicate that. But he's like man, it's very monotonous. I think that's the part about being a disruptor, but also being like a mature disruptor, right? Is like knowing how to go in and be confident about what you want in a way where people that are accustomed to something that's working are like, fuck, like this, I should be, this should be my new floor, for instance. I just think like. like, Because you walk through there, you're like, you can tell that they immediately I walked in, I was like, damn, I was like, well, it's like fucking five inch wide plank floor, no herringbone or nothing. I was like, this is so so badly the bare minimum of what you should be doing in a home and your house is four and a half million dollars i'm like you could have done something more like, well it's like it calls the question like either you're trying to take advantage of me or you're pricing this wrong 
which one is it? You know what I mean? Right. It's like it shouldn't map to that. Like I just you, think you in achieve. an easy market, like where we were during the whole COVID boom, it's like you could get away with that because people are like, it's nice, it looks good, it's clean, it's new, and it's you know it's on trend of like styling of houses, and people would pay four and a half million because like fuck, this is gonna get snatched up. Mm-hmm. Now shit's kind of slowing down. People are like, where's my money going? Mm-hmm. And so it's like you talk about like the quality of floors, the type of floors, like the type of material it is, cabinets, type of cabinets, inlay, overlay, inset, you know, like appliances. Are they all matching? Are they not matching? Is it Thermador? Is it new? Like these are questions motherfuckers are asking. Like mm-hmm. they want to know. And so like to me, the details If in a market that's, you know, when the market's not good, it's like people are, we were, I was talking with Brooks today about uh, interest rates. And he's like, is it the interest rates bother you right now? And I'm like. For me, no, because at the end of the day, it's like, you know, it's like the same thing with stocks. Like people talk about Warren Buffett. He's like, he's like, I'm buying in an up, up economy and I'm buying in a down economy. I'm not buying because, you know, like just because a deal pops up. He's like, I'm always looking for the right company that I believe is doing the right things that down the, you know, in the long term is, you know, going to be viable. And mm-hmm. so, like, I'm investing in that company because I believe in that company's long-term plan, not because, like, it's cheaper today or higher tomorrow. He's like, that's just nominal, right? Mm-hmm. And so, like, the same thing with interest rates. Like, yeah, it's up, it's down. When people look at, like, a 7% interest rate, it's like, if you're going to compare 7% to 3% over 30 years, that's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. But I would think that you're stupid not to think, like, hey, like, this is a really good house in a really good market that I know is going to appreciate over time. And I could probably refinance that in three to five years and get a better rate. And so, like, you might pay a little bit more, but you're also buying in a, in a place that's going to have the greatest, you know, ability to bring you a higher ROI down the line. So it's like that interest rate's going to be nominal. The other thing you could do is, like, you could buy down your interest rate. Like, you could go to a, bu- a seller and be like, give me 2%, 3% to buy down my interest rate. You could pay certain fees and stuff out of pocket that usually get wrapped into your interest rate. And, like, probably the money that you're looking to save on the percentage gap between the interest rates you're paying. It's like, you could just probably take some of that off the table, off the get, and like, you would solve that problem. Mm-hmm. But people just want stuff spoon fed to them. They, they just want, want simple, yeah. they want the best house at the right interest rate, uh, buying at the lowest time of the market. And it's like, it doesn't always work like that, man. Yeah. It's like, you well, need I think to it's like the, and then there's always people that understand where the person's heads at and they can create, they can create the appearance to the, uninformed person to make them feel like that perfect storm's happening for them when in the reality underneath the surface it really isn't that way right i mean like it just i mean you see that all the time i feel like if people are going and you know you have so many people that are trying to do real estate it's like even uh bankers right people that are like approving loans and things like that it's like that's their job (laughs) is to get you a loan so of course they're going to make it sound great because it's a reflection of like what they're getting paid to do there you know people don't understand that they're like oh sweet this person's really got my best interest at heart it's like to some extent but also like they're trying to do their job he's trying to sell you man he's trying to put food yeah it's not like a loan is not just like oh my god let me see how i can get you the most like you know there's it's a cost to that (laughs) yeah but that's the thing like right now in the market i'm like bro Always the a good house in a good location is going to do well. I mean, there was a house in Myers Park that I sent to Haley the other day that's like $4.5 on a big lot with a pool mm-hmm. and next to Queens University. I'm like, 
that house, when it was probably he's going at ask. It's already under contract, and it was four and a half million, and I'd, I'm willing to bet it went at ask. Mm-hmm. And like, some people are like, man, it's expensive. Like, it's kind of up in value. I'm like, bro, it's it's Myers Park. I know in Myers Park, all the lots are tiny. That lot is like a double lot. That was so the like point two years, show me. No, oh. different one. But it's a double lot in Myers Park next to Queens University on like the most prestigious road. The road looks like something out of like Home Alone or something. It's like these canopy like trees, perfectly manicured. You drive that on Christmas, like it, everybody's decorated. Yeah. Like it's the iconic, like Americana household on the right street. American dream. It street, is, yeah. 100%. And it's like, yeah, that house on a double lot with a pool that's like 6,000 square feet. Very nice finishes done. There's some small things that you could like change and update over time. I'm like, it's a very great house. Mm-hmm. And it went in a day. And that just to me proves again, it's like great house in the right area, done correctly. You're always going to get the, the one, the price you want. But two, I'm like, it's not a bad buy for that person. It's like that place is always going to be in demand. It's always going to appreciate because it's a, it's a great product. Right it's like where are you buying? you know, and what product you're buying, like, it matters. So, like, mm-hmm. sure, prices fluctuate. Sure, you could, like, try to negotiate down for a deal, but it's, like, if you believe that this area is going to boom and people are, are going to want to live here, it's, like, bro, buy that house then. Like, that's a great house in a great area. It's, like, it's always going to do well. Mm-hmm. And, like, you're f- quibbling over, like, interest rates or whatever. It's, like, I think you're missing the mark because it's, like, whatever interest you're paying, it's, like, prob- if it's in the right spot, like, the appreciation. Yeah. And the growth that's happening there and the money that's being injected into that community that's going to, you know, help your house, like, grow in value. It's like, that's going to offset any fucking whatever. And then you can fucking refi in three, five years, six years, seven years, whatever it is. Like, mm-hmm. So you move off of intuition is what you're saying. It's like, it's, it's like intuition, but it's it just like it's a right product in a right spot is always a good buy. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, you want to get it at a good price. I'm not saying just like, oh, fork over money. But it's like, if you can make the right market analysis and say, yeah, you know what? This house is a four or five. If I got really lucky, like I could maybe get it for four two fifty, four three, but it's like, is that enough to like me not to buy it today? Like, do I yeah. think I don't think it's gonna go to is three? It wor- eight. Is it risk yeah, I don't think it's gonna it, go yeah. down to three eight. I think this house is gonna go from four five to five two in the next few years. It's like, you, you're f- what are you fighting over? You know, it's like, and what's gonna happen is like because you're doing that, it's like you're gonna miss out. Like I did it at the beach, right? I told well, you so I, I missed out ask on you, yeah, I was going to ask you, like, did you get more into it after you realized, like, what was possible? Because I feel like that for you, like, when you told me that story, I could tell you were just, like, that was mind-blowing that that actually happened. It was like a learning that. lesson for me. Like, I had the house at the beach. It was Roy Williams' house that he had, like, a shared equity in with some other family. And we were fighting over, like, 40 grand, 50 grand difference. And I was, like, stuck on a number. This is a duplex you're talking about? No, this is a single family at the okay. beach. And I was just fighting over its second row, and I was like, I was fighting over 50 grand. And like, I really wanted the house. I mean, I'm like kicking myself over this mm-hmm. now. But, um, you know, like, I knew in my head, I was like, yeah, I think this place is gonna blow up. It's gonna appreciate this before COVID happened, before everything else. It's just like, that's, that's what I thought that area is gonna do. And, you know, the house went to somebody else. I'm like, uh, I think the house was 2 million. 300 or something or two five or something it's like 3.9 now you know like yeah. and they did work to it or just no kind of 3.9 just as <laughs> is no work yeah you know and so i'm like and i knew then i was like i think this place is gonna appreciate it. like you know you're just like you're so stuck in the moment of like i want to get the best price mm-hmm. that like you're almost like clouding your judgment of like 
well, what are the other benefits of this? Yeah. Like, yeah, price matters. I'm not saying it doesn't, but are you like letting go price for like you're you know you're missing out on the the whole other opportunity out of this, yeah. which is like, hey man, I think this area is going to blow up. There's only limited lots around here. It's very in high demand. And I think there's a lot of houses being redone, so like it's going to up the value of all the real estate here. And it's like the thirty grand or fifty grand, whatever, was like nominal. fucking nominal. In now. hindsight, now yeah. in hindsight, yeah. so it's like, yes, price matters, but like don't let that cloud your judgment of like everything else that also matters as well. It's like mm -hmm. good house in a good market that you believe is going to appreciate and do well, especially if you have value add, you can add to that house. You know, make it force appreciate it. It's like. You should always be buying that product in a down economy and an up economy. Mm -hmm. You have to navigate both. It's the same thing with, let's talk about business. Like some people are so stuck on like what party's in office. And I'm like, bro, yes, you could yeah. hope that if you're Republican that you're going to have Republican office or if you're Democrat, you could hope you have a Democrat. But if you're a business owner, you have to navigate both sides. I have to navigate policy from Democrats and I have to navigate policies from Republicans. And if I think I'm only going to be able to thrive in a Republican, you know, run country, I'm like, oh, so my business only work for four years because like what if a Democrat comes in? You know, it's like I have to navigate both sides. The market's not always up. It's up and it's down. You have to navigate both sides. Businesses are making money in both. Yeah. All, all good businesses. Not like Harris Teeter and like the you drive by how many businesses are still open. It's a down economy. It's like you have to navigate both. And I think people just want always to be the guy that like. Anticipates the bottom, finds the lowest time, the best time to buy, so they get the max ROI. And I'm like, you know, it's like, you're, it's the greed. It's, it's that, really fleeting. It's that yeah. greed syndrome too. It's like, oh, I want to get the max ROI and then sell at the very top, and then find out when the very bottom is. Like, bro, you're never going to be able to gauge that. So it's like, yeah. good product, good market. Good product, bad market, doesn't matter. And it's like, what's my game plan? Execute on that and sell when you, you know, you create a threshold of price that you want to sell at, and you sell and move out, or you know how long you want to keep it for whatever it is and like and stick to your plan mm. it's always going to ebb and flow what would you say is the biggest like personal growth lesson you've learned through doing largo and just some of the other real estate projects this year because i feel like you've you've like undertaken more and more in the last i think i think months. team is important like having the right people in place like i think like we have deb on the team i think when we're doing houses it, the great benefit of her is like she has her She's got her AOS and in interior design. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, she sells our stone product, but it's also she knows she sells cabinets and she knows just how to like build she knows a house. What a good product looks like. She knows what a good product looks like. She also, you know, her husband builds houses and they did one of my renovations. So, like, she's been through the process. Mm -hmm. So, you have somebody like that there. It's like you go in with the people that are doing the renovation for us. It's like they talk about cabinets. She knows all the measurements and requirements and, um, like certain inserts that work in certain areas and don't and like when we design up the kitchen it's like yeah this company sells this corner cabinet but like they always don't work right like this is a stupid thing to pay for like we should just do it right just mm -hmm. the little things of like having the reps of doing it um and then also she can cad and design so it's like when we go through all the cad and designs of like all the cabinets and the layout of the shower and all these things it's like it's very helpful because it's, it helps you visualize and understand you're not guessing right mm -hmm. i think like with largo we are doing some really um, high-level design choices that, uh, you know, in hindsight, it's the best way to do this. Like when you're 
planning out the house with the architect and like stuff. Like we saw it the other time. Yeah, you're you're kind of you have your you know your CAD folks and everything mapping that out. You're already making the design choices and you're working that into when you're CADing the house. So when you go to do all your installs for tile and everything, it's like you can make tile that's made for that area that installs. You have less waste. So like it takes some more work on the forefront, but then when you come to this like home stretch of trying to get it done, you're not waiting for shit that's like. Uh, we didn't think of this, or mm -hmm. oh, we got to cut this to fit, or oh, we didn't get enough material because it wasn't measured out properly, and so mm -hmm. like we need to get more. It's like I think I'd rather plan in the beginning a lot more, and have the right people in place that can execute on those things that are you know like required, like catting it out and understanding design and all that, so that we can when we do these high levels of homes, like the fit and finish and execution of that is um, top notch and yeah. it's smooth. So it's you like know? when you're doing the previous lake house that you lived in like compared to a largo now it's like what what would you say is like the biggest most drastic difference in like your experience going through it because it's like when you lo that lake house was like your first real yeah it's like you i mean listen i the benefit i think my strong suit is like i i can make choices really easily really fast mm -hmm. like i move fast it's like when i did that they were like you know deb and her husband were like hey you know we have only we can do a project now or it's going to be a project in a year and i'm like i'm ready now i know what i like i've i've moved you know i've moved boards all these things that i've just but i keep so like mm -hmm. when i went to do it, it was like picking up pools and the flooring and all this and like maybe do herringbone like i had all those ideas like yeah it wasn't the most organized but like it was very i was very decisive so i, I think like you see the struggle with some of the largo stuff in the other houses like the indecisiveness yeah it's taxing costly. it's not like cost it's Defeated, not like defeats costly. the personnel though yeah but it's it's yeah. taxing and the personnel is like man like i thought we were done with house one now they're out here wanting to rip shit out it's like yeah. you're like i'm trying to like as much as i love this project like, i'm also trying to fucking finish it dude yeah you know and like we're not even done with the other house and it's like you know so i think like being decisive is one and two i think planning having a team and planning and like being able to really map it out, understanding one, what product you're trying to achieve, like how the level of craftsmanship mm -hmm. and execution, and then like having the right people in place and planning and being decisive about that planning. Like, this is the colors we're going with, these are the materials we're going for, this is the budget, these are the, this is where we're doing this, this is what I think we need to add, here's where I think we need to spend the most money, and having that and sticking with it. Yeah. Instead of like pulling back, right? I think also what I like about Largo is like, the amount of detail we're doing opens up cans of worms that you wouldn't normally run into. And so it's like good to work through them now. Mm -hmm. So it's like in the future when it's like, I don't know, I don't have any specific example, but let's just say it's like we decided to add archways and that opened up some weird thing that costed money. And it was like, if we had planned that before we would have, it wouldn't have cost us the money to do it. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, Knowing that now, it's like, all right, let's make these choices. Like, hey guys, how do we, how do these doorways want to be? Like, what's the, what's the architecture of the house that we're going for? Are we going to do arch doorways? Because we are. Remember, on the last house, we had to rip this out because we made the choice too late, mm -hmm. and it cost us an additional fifteen thousand yeah. dollars. So again, like having the planning, understanding what the look you're going for, and having the right team in place so you can execute on it, I think is huge. Yeah. But uh, not to say you can't, you don't have to be. You, you could also be not that organized, like it, and do well. I've done that also. I just think like as you grow in scale, I mean it's with any business, as you grow in scale, it's like organization, optimization, and team yeah. is how you get there. Well it's you like you, do there's so nothing much you by do yourself. Yeah, there's nothing you do more of that you get worse at. It's like but you can definitely stay the same at something if you don't put any like attention or 
tenacity towards improving the previous process. It's like, you know, yeah. it's like if you don't, if you're not mindful of the mistakes that are made, you might just keep fumbling through the same mistake over and over and over again, wondering like why you're not making progress or why it's not improving. You know, so it's like having that mindfulness of saying, hey, we could have done this better. Yeah. Some people have a hard time doing that, of being like, I could have done this better. Some people really just want to live in the state that they are the greatest. You know? Yeah, I think it's like easy being great do. is being able to admit your faults, though. It's like, yeah. I think, um, especially like, yeah, I mean, it's it's getting those reps. Again, mm-hmm. it's like reps are everything. It's like going doing the house the first time, then doing another one, and another one. You're like, okay, like I'm starting to see that continually we have the same problem so like how do i fix this problem that's bogging me down mm-hmm. so it's like just going through the reps helps you become more optimized and understanding like what works what doesn't here's what i need to take off the table here's what i want to keep from the last project that wor- worked really well and then over time you're like i've developed out a system mm-hmm. that's very harmonious that is very streamlined that we can go and deploy you know in in these types of projects that and it works really well why is it that you feel like, uh, not that you feel, but, you know, a lot of people talk about how a lot of wealth is built in real estate. And it's like now that you're in that world pretty heavily or more heavily than maybe you were when you started all this. Like, why do you feel like that's true? Just come as someone that's like only ever rented and like hasn't bought a house before. It's like people always say that they're like, yeah, every everyone that's wealthy is always doing real estate. Sure. But is that like just because of the skill set it takes to do it is really hard? difficult or is it because like are there other reasons no i mean the i don't think it's a a hard skill set like i don't think like i'm not it seems daunting because we go in there and it's just like the sheer amount of just it could just be because of the terminology and like well what you're doing Largo, it seems daunting because you go in there it's like if you like knowing watching you do it i'm like damn i don't know if i would want to if i would enjoy that right like i mean i think i've definitely taken it what are these fucking people doing donuts outside Um, I think I, um, like I'm definitely doing a, it's a more intensive form of real estate mm-hmm. in terms for like single family, like building your hands on it. It's on. very, it's very involved, but it doesn't have to be like that. Like if you look at just some of the other houses I've done, where I've done basically nothing, right? It's like you could, the benefit is that if you buy, if you buy a property, um, you can write off you know, you buy a property with the intent to rent it out, right? Or mm-hmm. partially rent it out or, you know, you know, you don't rent it down the line. The benefit is like you buy it, then you can, one, you're going to leverage your net worth. So like if you're buying a $500,000 house, like you don't need to put $500,000 down, right? It's usually 20% down. If you get FHA loan, it could be three and a half percent down. So it's like leverage is, leverage is part of it, right? Because let's say you only have hundred grand in the bank. Mm-hmm. Well, if you are able to buy this, you know, $500,000 house and all you got to do is put $50,000 down. And I don't know if the math is correct, but let's just say it's like, well, now your net worth was your hundred grand in the bank. And now you have an asset that's worth Mm -hmm. $500,000. Now your net worth is 600 grand Mm -hmm. because your net worth is the value of your assets, cash. Mm -hmm. That's how you get that. So it's like you just five, six X your net worth by doing that, Mm -hmm. you know? And then, um, so there's that component. There's also all the tax benefits. So it's like, you can depreciate the home. You can depreciate things in the home. Um, in commercial, you can depreciate the land. Um, and you can do all these things where it helps to, you know, it takes off money off the table from paying towards your taxes. Mm-hmm. 
so that you get to retain some of the money that you've earned. And then if you scale that out and then you put enough hours in, you can label yourself as a real estate professional. And then you can start doing like cost seg studies, which is basically like the same idea with the depreciation, but you get to depreciate it at a lot more confined rate. So instead of depreciating over like, I forgot, it's like 27 and a half years or something is the mm -hmm. standard. You can do it over like some certain criteria of the house and things. They it'd be like eight years and 11 years and 13. And so like you can really like shrink that down and put more depreciation in in a shorter time frame, which means you could take more money off the table off your taxes mm -hmm. now. Right. So it's like, you know, you could do 100 percent depreciation on a car or like you could spread it out over a certain amount of years. So it's like you can take the depreciation of all this real estate assets instead of doing over 36 years or 27 and a half years, whatever it is, and turn that into like hey, over nine years, then like the money, the big, you know, the chunks of money become bigger every single year. Mm -hmm. And then the other side of that is appreciation. So like you could rent out a house. So like the cool thing would be is like if you bought a house and your mortgage is a thousand bucks a month, but you know you can rent out the house for 2000 a month. So it's like, cool, I bought a house. I got the benefits of the tax depreciation and then it cost me $1,000 in overhead to have the house. I can rent it for two, so somebody rents it for two, and now you're you know, basically taking, and granted there's like some other expenses in there, don't mm -hmm. fucking crucify me, but to keep it simple, now you're netting a thousand bucks, so you're paying down your mortgage, your renter is paying down the mortgage, you're pocketing a thousand dollars, you're also getting the tax benefits of writing off the depreciation mm -hmm. off of your taxes, and then over the next five years, six years, seven years, 10 years, the house that you bought for half a million is now worth 900,000, 1.1 million, 1.3 million, 1.4 million. And you can either sell it, and if you sold it, then I would advise you to do a 1031 exchange, and then you took a $500,000 house, made, call it, you know, 800,000 off of it. Mm -hmm. So you now you have, you know. You either owe that in capital gains. So you paid capital gains, or you could put that into a bigger property, which then you could rent for more money, mm -hmm. or turn that into like a multifamily, which you could, it's just worth more. So now your net worth has gone up. Your tax ability, your ability to write off. You just off keep leveling that, up, essentially. You just keep leveling yeah. up. If you do it right. Or if you kept it, then you can borrow against the house. So mm -hmm. you borrow against the asset, and the money's debt. So you borrowing so against this asset. Yeah, you get a home equity line of credit, and you fucking, or if it's a bunch of commercial shit, they'll basically give you, like, a line of credit, and that's tied to, you know, it's collateralized by, you know, your commercial assets. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you have free, basically tax-free money that you can borrow. So you could, you know, if it's your house is 500000 and it, it went to a value of 1.5, that means there's a million-dollar upside, and you probably get a 70%, maybe 80%, in some cases, 65% LTV. It's like 65% of that's 650000 700000 mm -hmm. That's tax-free money you got. Yeah. Then you can use almost like a revolving line of credit to buy more houses. I mean, you could buy dumb shit with it if you really want it, but like the smart thing is say, it's yeah. like you take that, it's like, oh, I have a renovation. Instead of me borrowing money from somebody for renovation, it's like, I'll just pull from my home equity line of credit, mm. renovate this house, yeah. and when it's done, I pay back the home equity line of credit. And, and my appraisal reappraise it at a higher And then you value. reappraise that one, and it's worth more. It's like, now you're pulling in all this tax-free money. You're getting all the depreciation, so any earned income you have is being depreciated down so that you're not paying as much taxes, and then you're getting all this appreciation, and your net worth is increasing by a shit ton. Yeah. So let, let's like extrapolate that process out because I've heard you have conversations where it's like, you know, a lot of these you've done with your own cash, but now you're at a point where it's like maybe you have the confidence in this process enough where you can 
do the calculation to borrow money, like borrow cheap money and be able to do bigger projects or just retain more cash the flow for yourself? The idea of this is the same as like when I was doing websites and I realized like, man, I could keep doing these websites but it's like just me doing it. Mm-hmm. And it's like I can only do so many. But I know this guy from, you know, a sub from India that I could use that web, you know, codes websites really well, does it for 300 bucks. And it's like, what am I really good at? I know I'm really good at selling or doing for a house, like doing the selection process or doing the design aspect. Mm -hmm. But like, I don't want to handle all this, like figure out where our money is and ups and downs and what we got to sell to fund this. It's like, if you find the right funding partner, it's like, it's no difference. Like, all right, cool. I may cost me some points, right? Let's say if I borrowed for myself, it cost me nothing except that I've taken money off the table. Mm-hmm. But instead of, you know, and, you know, I go to somebody now, it's like, it may cost me on a million dollar house and I know I can make $300,000. Like, it may cost me fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars $70,000 of the margin mm-hmm. to borrow the money from somebody. But it's also like, cool, I'm not using my own. So, like, I could now use my, I could be doing two projects at once. Mm-hmm. Or, if I bar- I can if I have a good network, I can borrow enough to where I can borrow for like seven projects and then my money is used to just pay the debt, right? Mm-hmm. And so like you're just maximizing your money yeah. so that you can do more and scale the business. So mm-hmm. it's like if you're only using your own cash pool, it's cool. It's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's like at a certain point it's like you know, is it limiting you in yeah. some aspects? Well, because they're long term projects. So yeah, and they're really long term, they're cash, cash intensive. Yeah. And so it's like, yeah, you also want to you also want to be smart, keep cash in the bank. So if stuff comes up or you need to, you know, you need to move the needle somewhere and spend some money like that, you have it right. If you've just deployed it all, it's like all it takes is one fuck up. And you're like, well, we don't have any money. And like, so now we got to fire sell some assets to like, you know, well, that's what I was going to say about like real kind of strategic. Right. It's like if I could borrow money and still make money and not take my money off the table, then it's like I'm just putting myself in a more dynamic advantageous position to be you know not fuck myself over well it's like that about not being greedy too and being like i could but like also i was gonna say that it, uh, maybe it loops us back to what i had said initially it's like why is why you a lot of people that are building wealth have real estate it's like because that's a really it's much easier it's, it's, it's much tool. easier for you to be like hey bank or whoever financing like i have this asset i'm trying to get that's worth this much versus like hey i have this I want to do this food product. Can I have a million dollars? Like right. it, there, it's way easier to get money and borrow money from my understanding for like an a- actual asset. Well, because like to them, they're like, if this guy doesn't pay us, it's like we acquire this asset. Yeah. It's like, that's a great. So asset. it's better to have your money to say, hey, I want to do this crazy food product. That's yeah. going to be a million dollars. Then put tie your money up in a house and then be like, I can't fund this food project opportunity or whatever, whatever it might yeah. be. I mean, it's just it's a it's a tool. Real estate's a tool. It's it helps you pay less in taxes. It helps you make a lot of money. It helps you make a lot of money that is non-taxable, if you're smart in the way that mm-hmm. you move move the money around, deploy the money, transfer the money after sales. Like, it's just a great tool to build wealth. Because I think the the thing that people miss is like the largest expense at the end of the day for any business owner is taxes, mm-hmm. and so. I'm taking a lot of money off the table every time I have to pay taxes. And so there's something like real estate where you can legally defer paying taxes, mitigate your your the amount of exposure you have to taxes and keep more money in the bank. Like that's how you build wealth. Mm-hmm. Because if I have 
a million bucks in the bank, but I got to give half of that to taxes at the end of the year. It's like now I only have half a million at the next year to like go make money with. Yeah. But if I have a million and I'm able to keep a million, it's like I got double the money. I can do double the work. Yeah. I can, do, you know, and then you turn that million into three. Mm-hmm. And it's like if that's non, if you figure out a way to like acquire enough assets where like now you're not paying taxes on that, it's like what could I do with three million? But fuck, you would have half a million. Maybe you got two million. It's just like it slows down the process. Mm-hmm. And so you're able. It's like if you every time you double down, you have the double down return. It's like. Uh, you exponential growth. It's super yeah. exponential. Like yeah. that's the that's the benefit. That's how you get there. Yeah, there's some things to that. Be like, oh, you're kicking the can down the road. Or if you sold everything, you're gonna owe a shit ton of that. It's like, yeah, it's like the goal is not to sell, man. You gotta mm-hmm. keep folding it to something. But that's why the government is incentivizes these tax incentives to people that are doing real estate because it's like stimulates. I'm telling yeah. you, if you take this and fold it into another project, you won't pay taxes. To them, they're like, yeah, because that means that's keeping the money here. That means that like there's investments in the community, buildings are being fixed up. Like it, it just like keeps it moving. It keeps everything moving. And so like, if they just said like, hey, we're not gonna tax you, but you don't need to buy another building. It's like buildings would just die and, and be decrepit because people would just want to move somewhere else. It's like, it definitely incentivizes people. It's like there's only so much real estate and development out there you can do. So it's like, yeah, man, we need to acquire, move, build. It definitely incentivizes like growth of the economy and communities, um, revitalization of certain areas that were that died off. Where it's like, oh, now there's like an opportunity here, mm-hmm. and so like, it's very. There's two sides to it. It's not just like, oh, you're not paying taxes. It's like, man, you're also pushing a lot of other things that are generating revenue and uh, opportunities for other people. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you revitalize a shopping center. It's now somebody with a dream of opening a coffee shop. Like my think that this shopping center in this area is a great place to do that. And then now next door a restaurant opens and then they hire people and they create jobs and like that stimulates the economy and the community. And like then you might have events going on where it's like now it's helping like the youth and like people don't think about how yeah. all that trickles down. But like that's that's why real estate's so important because it all starts with like where can we house a community? Where can we put our community members at? where they want to live and all they and they also want to go do all the activities and things that they want to do with their lives and it's like that's all based around real estate land yeah. real estate buildings like well, it's like you think about this property that we're in right now right it's like 10 years ago someone had to be like we should build these here or whenever these are built like yeah. we should build these here because there's probably going to be people that are going to be moving to this area you know it's for like, sure because now you're here and your house is here it's like Probably other people like Tim probably move up this way. Got people like Brooks move up this way. It's yep. like five years later, it's like there's gonna be more people of that you know echelon here that want to then be if they open up a business like they want to be in a nice shopping center. They want to be in like something that reflects like what they're trying to accomplish. So it's like it just is definitely a trickle down effect. And really, the bottom line is someone has to go first. That's why I mean, there you go, right? Yeah. Like somebody had to have the foresight to be like, I think a nicer class A office warehouse type development that's got mixed use is going to do really well here because i think cornelius is blowing up and like they're fucking right but there bet you there's a lot of people like i don't know man like that road in that area is like it's kind of on the cut it's like not in the cut anymore yeah you know but it's like they had enough belief in themselves and their ideas and and were able to put capital together to like develop this i'm trying to do the same on a strip of land on the way up to um, Denver. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's like, yeah, somebody's got to have the foresight and be a little bit crazy to some people 
to like make this shit happen. Now you look at it, it's like, bro, this is amazing. Yeah, people trying, you look at, trying you to You look buy, at yeah. this type of an office office versus like other offices, it's like people come here, everybody's like, I don't want to be here. Yeah. And so like I'm like, yeah, that's like you think about where office and, and business and like having team members come together. It's like, yeah, this is what people want. They had their choice, their pick of the litter of like what I would work in. It's like they're picking this every time. Yeah. So like I think when I look at high end projects, houses or this, I'm like, yeah, I'd rather I'd I'd rather spend the money on the materials and the space and the area and location because this location is always a great location. Mm-hmm. I'd rather do that because I know that when the person when the people come that are wi- that are going to spend the money and want to have that environment, like that, this is a no brainer. Yeah. You start like feeding everything at the bottom, like low class, whatever. It's like everybody wants to. It's like sell, same thing with selling cheap websites. Mm-hmm. The guy that wants the five hundred dollar website is expecting a five thousand dollar website. He wants five thousand dollars worth of work. He wants five thousand dollars worth of detail, but he's only gonna he only wants to pay five hundred bucks, and he's probably gonna try and negotiate you down to four hundred. Mm-hmm. I don't want to deal with those people. Yeah. I want the guy that comes in here and be like, "How much is it? Oh, it's three million. Yeah, this we don't." I haven't seen this anywhere else. Like, this is what we want. Yeah. It's, they don't, there's no haggling. It's like, they want what they want. That's the realm I like to play in. I feel like if I were going to be building websites again, the first thing I would do, and like, I feel like this carries over into anything. Like, if, if you could do it over again, maybe you agree, but like, I'd be like, what's your domain? If they tell me it's like some fucking like dot net dot, like, if, it, if it's like one word dot com, like, this person's going to be a good client. Yeah. Like, they already bought an expensive ass domain. Right. Like I just wouldn't know if I were selling a website. I'd be like, well, first that's, of all, that's what's my your threshold to even have a conversation. Yeah, it's like if you do you have a .dot com purchased already that like is a legit domain. Yeah, no hyphens or goofy shit in it. Yeah, because then I know you're down to play. You yeah. know what I mean? If you're telling me you've got like some kind of weird three word domain .dot net, brother, we <laughs> yeah, it's just <laughs> like it's there's definitely ways you could weed it out. You know, but I, I, again, like, I just think like you want, you want a level of just like price. Like this is my price. This is what websites are. If you want a website, it's 50 grand. And I understand that you could find somebody for 10 grand. You could find somebody for five grand. I'm just not your, I'm not the developer you want to work with. Our level of execution is far, far greater than anybody else's. Mm -hmm. What you're going to get is far greater than anybody else's. But like, I'm not here to haggle over dollars. I know my worth, you know, it's like. Sure, when I was coming up, I was like, fuck, I just need money, yeah. you know? But you, like, you've been there, man. It's like pulling teeth, and you're like, million revisions. You well, it makes you miserable and makes you question your own worth because you're like, <laughs> why am I pandering to this? Yeah, for, like, a couple you know? hundred bucks. You're yeah. like, Dude, I've, like, I've spent more than a couple hundred dollars in time and effort to, like, even... Well, it's development, too. It's shit. like, you know, when we were starting out, it's like, we didn't want to have to sub anything out. So it's all, like, how much can I make? So I can try and use this to do some other thing that I'm trying to do. And now it's just like if you're really going to be great at something, it's like it's like there's riches and niches. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the more dialed in and more specific you get with what you're trying to create, the more you can charge for that. And the more that like if you're good at what you do, like there's going to be people out there that are the right buyer. But that's where that confidence comes in is being like no matter what it is, if I'm putting my effort into this and I believe in what I'm creating, like there's going to be a buyer out there for it. You right. know what I mean? It's like – Ten years ago, who the fuck would have been like, yeah, people are going to be spending full salaries for people to blog for them. It's yeah. like ten years ago, that would not that was like very foreign, right? You know, but some people invested in people to do that, and it's like now they're the ones that have great teams. 
yeah. But, you know, so yeah, for sure. really you could look at any industry and probably think that. But I think this is a good place to wrap it up. Good real estate convo. We'll have to put some uh, transformation pictures up. What's yeah. on the What's on the table this year for real estate? You've got you have some interesting areas you've been poking your he- poking your neck around in. I was telling you earlier. I just think um, I'm trying to decide if the it's the same thing with the money, right? It's mm-hmm. like there's houses that I think are worth a million five that are like a million. I mean, they're listed for two two fifty, and I like you know we can meet at like a million eight five, and I'm like. You know, the market hasn't corrected as much as everybody anticipated it mm-hmm. to. And so, like, is – am I being greedy by thinking, like, oh, it should be a million five or is it, like, I need to be realistic and be like, it's a million eight five now. Like, that's the floor. <laughs> like, it was a million five. used to be the floor. I mean, it's like you could look back six years ago at some house and be like, damn, it was 900000 Now it's worth a million eight. It's like well, the floor for that's probably a million six, million five. You know, it's like – so you have to kind of like it needs to level up, and so I'm trying to just I'm trying to decide if like has it or hasn't it because there's some opportunities out there, but there's definitely also some people that are really late to selling their house and still think we're in COVID prices yeah. and are fucking out of their mind. Looney Tunes as a motherfucker, like I painted a room that we renovated it. I'm like, no. Yeah. Motherfucker, your house looks you like it's from '96. Yeah, realistically, you might in that case not be the best buyer for that. Maybe there's someone out there that believes that for know? sure. But that's and a like person that might lose their, ass, you know. So it's like even when we were at that other interesting house that we walked through last year, where we yeah. had some breathing problems. Like it, I think it's like your the experience of doing different types of projects allows you to see the opportunity. Whereas like someone might walk into that and just look at it for what it is and be like this doesn't make sense. Whereas like maybe you can look at it and be like. This doesn't make sense unless I destroy this entire house and rebuild something new. Some yeah. people would never think like that because it's too daunting because they haven't been there before or haven't done like a gut reno like that, you know. Yeah. So it's like it's all relative to the person. Yeah, so we'll see. It's interesting times, but there's definitely some overpriced shit out there still. There's people that are off their rocker, won't move. They think it's like that, and then there's some where it's like, you know, maybe the bottom's moved up a little bit. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm like, when deals don't work out, like they just don't work out for a reason. So. Yeah. I'm not going to kick myself. Lots of stuff to spend money. You know, and like we have, and I also know that I'm not like this volume business. Mm -hmm. Like when the right project comes along, the right spot, the right thing, I'm like, it's a very involved project. Mm -hmm. I don't need to do 15 of these because like I I don't need to do 15 to make a million. I just need to do this one to make a million. Mm -hmm. And so like I'd rather spend the time and effort on that and maybe do two or three of those and find the right ones in the right spots than like force a project, right? So it's just working through that. But it's definitely an interesting, like, in this weird Rubik's Cube of a time where, like, it's, like, moving and shifting and it's, like, who knows what the outcome's going to be. So it's an interesting time. And then you have, you know, obviously, like, interest rates and stuff is, like, there's consumers that are affected by that and it affects their logic and how they buy. And some people also have a really good rate that they've been locked in. So they're like, well, fuck, I don't want to give up my 2.7 rate to – have to find something with the seven rate, you know? Mm-hmm. And so some of that's like understanding consumer logic and like how people are buying and selling in the market. So it's an interesting time, but there's still deals out there. There's still good opportunity out there. It's just like, you got to do the reps. I'm looking at, I tell everybody, I'm like, I'm looking at 70 to 90 deals a week. Mm-hmm. I'm, I live on those fucking platforms. I got people door knocking for me. I got people sending me deals. It's like, we're looking. So like, 
if you keep doing that, I keep doing those reps, like I will find the deal. There will be one I pull the trigger on. And like, that's going to be the right one. Mm-hmm. Shit. Yeah. Wrap it up. Episode 13. The, fan- the Phantom Menace. Phantom Menace. You are a Phantom Menace. <laughs> Real estate. All right. All right.